Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. And it's fun to see all new faces. Uh, I think I've recognized a couple from um, other meetings I've been to. So let's see. Um, what it was like, what happened, what it's like now, maybe with a little bit of a um, spiritual twist. <laughs> um, so uh, first of all, I, um, I, I've been absent for 22 years. Um, I'm a century person, my top weight was 320 pounds. So um, I've maintained a weight loss of over 100 pounds um, for these 22 years, 21 of them actually. <clears throat> and um, so, uh, I usually just try to share uh, using the steps. So I would say um, step one for me was very simple. I was um, I started eating compulsively as a teenager, probably 12, 11, 12, 13, puberty age. A um, lot of things I, I could blame on that. Like I had a father who had a terminal illness and he was in and out of the hospital. I had a mother who I really did not get along with, who was a super negative. I had five other siblings who were all grown and um, had pretty much left the house. So I was kind of in a, a weird only child phase with parents who were much older. I was an accident. My mom had me when she was 40. And um, so uh, I just started to eat. I found comfort in food and I sat in front of the television and I ate and my family moved. My mom and dad and I moved um, out of a really urban area. Um, I'm from Washington, D.C. We moved from my dad was in the military, so we, we settled there. And we moved from a really urban area way out into a suburb, and it was a total culture shock, freak out. And um, the first summer there, I gained 50 pounds and just watched television and ate uh, every day. And then I started school, and I was the fat kid and the weird kid, and I dressed funny compared to people there. And um, So anyway, I had a really uh, tough experience. And um, I also started drinking and doing drugs uh, as a teenager too, right, right at that same time. So, um, fast forward, I mean, I always knew I had a problem with food. I was, uh, I was a fat kid and I was a fat young adult and I was, you know, fat, fat, I was, you know, obese. And, uh, I tried many, many diets over the years. I had one brother, um, I have one brother and the two of us, uh, used to compete. We'd join Nutrisystems together and like, let's do this, you know, and see who could lose the most. And then we'd both kind of say, fuck it on the same day and, um, and go back to our old ways. So tried a lot of things, failed a lot of things. Um, I got sober in there and I started working the steps in AA. Um, and in fact, the first workshop I went to in New York was called out of the bar and into the refrigerator. And that was kind of my story. It was like, as soon as I put down drugs and alcohol, I, I just ate that much more. Um, at some point I moved to San Francisco, uh, a dream of mine. And I secretly thought, I didn't secretly, I mean, I, I, I sort of thought, okay, when I move to San Francisco, it's all gonna change, you know, like people in California are really healthy and the weather's really nice. They don't have winter. I'm not gonna fall into winter depression and gain 50 pounds every winter, like I usually did. And um, so I got here and, uh, I found the opposite to be true. I just um, started going to fellowship in the other program and eating with wild abandon. At some point, I think I just decided I'm powerless. Like, 
I'm, I didn't have that. I didn't use those words. I just was like, I'm fat. I'm just going to be a fat person. My family is big boned and that's just, it's just my destiny. And so forget it. You know, I just, um, I quit dieting and I just sort of started eating whenever and however. Um, so, um, I really never had a problem with admitting that I had a pro that it was a problem, that I was addicted to food, that it, I was a compulsive eater, but I had no faith in whatever that I could ever change it. I just sort of gave up. Um, and then uh, what happened was I met a friend in program and other fellowship who had been in OA, who was a century person like who had was a century person like me, who had been who had lost 100 pounds in OA and was abstinent for four years or so, but was on a relapse. And he said, I'm going back to OA. I've heard you complain about your weight and your, you know, I see the way you eat. And um, do you want to come to the meeting with me? So I went to the lifeboat meeting in San Francisco with him, which at the time was a giant, really fun social meeting with, you know, big table with tea and literature and lots of people doing service and just um, really fun. And I walked in and I was just like, wow, check this out. Um, I, it, it kind of blew my mind because I'd, I'd worked the steps at that point for eight years and I never could imagine how the steps could work around food. I just thought it doesn't apply or I can't apply it. And then suddenly in this one meeting, hearing a great speaker, seeing like the liveliness of the meeting and, the, and all the members, uh, I felt, I just instantly felt some hope. And, um, and so that was, uh, like step two for me was just like, check this out. People are and speaker and the people that shared. It was this, the meeting had a speaker format and then it was a positive pitch. So it was like two minute, like rapid fire, uh, positive pitches about OA and how, you know, everything that works about OA. And um, so I think it was a really good immediate infusion. And I just was like, okay, well, I think, you know, I'm gonna try this. So, you know, came to believe for me was just kind of like, I think I'm gonna try this. And I actually didn't really, I still didn't really believe fully that it could happen for me. Um, I always say that I came to believe in retrospect that it could happen for me because first I had to do it and then I believed that I could do it. <laughs> anyway, um, so, uh, you know, as you know, the, the God stuff is all around the room and um, I don't really, I don't identify, I don't call myself an atheist or an agnostic. Um, I just kind of am like, a whatever I don't know what I just I'm just definitely someone that finds no comfort in the concept of God I don't relate to that um, my first uh, when I moved to San Francisco I had a um, my first sponsor in the other program was an atheist and he ran the atheist or he volunteered at the atheist bookstore and he would you know jokingly say God and it was spelled G-A-W-D and so whenever we worked the steps together um, it just was you know we had to kind of I mean, I think he kind of taught me how to just wear it like a loose garment. Like, who cares about that, it, you know, that it said every 35 seconds at a meeting and that it's in all the literature and all this stuff. And it's like, who cares? Just like, don't even argue about it. Just let it go. Like, whatever. Um, do whatever works. And, um, and so I felt that way, you know, coming into OA, um, I just felt like, I didn't need to, I didn't need to worry about that. You know, I had many years in the other program to like kind of work through that issue and it just doesn't bother me. It just doesn't phase me. Um, I also tried on lots of different things. Like, um, I was at, I was actually at an OA conference in Southern California where I heard that someone said that statement, 
I'm not, I'm some, I'm not someone who finds comfort in God. And I wrote that down. I was like, Oh my God, thank you. That's me. Like, I don't, that's such a great statement because there are so many people in the rooms that I hear gush on about their higher power and their God. And everybody's like save them and help them and thank God for their belief and all this stuff. And I, and I don't have that. So I feel like, Oh, I'm kind of missing out on that, but I, I don't have it. So I can't force it. Um, I've tried lots of things like, um, one of my favorites was someone calls their higher power Gus, which stands for the great universal spirit. And Gus sounds like a little cuddly teddy bear, you know, like this could be Gus, my higher power. And um, so I kind of adopted that for a while. I, um, I try, I've tried lots of different things. Um, I, do, uh, I do say what I call the half-ass willingness prayer. It's like a flippant prayer to nothing or no one or whoever or whatever nothing and I just say God please help me be willing to be willing to be willing to do this and um and I don't know if it works and I don't really I don't believe like um anything I don't think burning bushes are going to happen but I do believe in the magic of the 12 steps like that is some serious magic there's some serious power there so I can call that my higher power um and so uh step three for me um Step three, really for me, and this is just my story because I just when we read that first action plan thing about where they say like abstinence, your food plan is not your abstinence. For me, it is. So um, I don't know where I don't know if that's controversial, but for me, my third step, my decision to turn my will and life over to whatever is basically like um, my sponsor would say like you you know. You might not know what God's will is for you, but you probably know what it isn't. Like what any what any person, what any loving being in the world or person or non-worldly being would not want you to just uh, get back to where I was, which was 320. At one point I was like 320 pounds, chain smoking three packs a day, drinking and doing drugs, watching porno, isolating in my basement apartment. Like that was no higher power or low, that's my lower power that's wants to have me do that. So I had to just kind of back away from that. And the third step for me was um, to have a food plan and just be willing to follow it one meal at a time and do whatever I had to take, whatever I had to do to not pick up that first compulsive bite. And um, for me, like prayer didn't offer any, you know, that didn't help. So um, for me, it was about action. And so, uh, for me, my program is really a program of action. And so right away when I got into OA, after that first meeting, I started going to uh, a lot of OA meetings. I had let my other 12-step programs kind of take the back burner for a little bit. I really concentrated on OA. I got service commitments. I got a sponsor um, at the time. And so, well, actually still in San Francisco, they have a, um, an early OA meeting and they have a writing meeting. Um, so I would do a double header. And I would do my step work and I meet my sponsor after the meeting and read what I wrote. Um, I start, I joined intergroup. Um, I really just got into the middle of the lifeboat, so to speak. And I took action and, um, you know, really when it, when it comes to my food plan, um, I, for me, it has to be really clearly defined. I don't, I'm, I can't relate to like yellow light, green light, yellow light, red light food, because like I heard someone say a yellow light food is just a red light food that you're fucking with. <laughs> so like, I really have to like have clearly defined abstinence because I need to know what I'm putting in my mouth is or isn't yes or no. It's like symbolic logic. Yes or no. 
I can't have the in-between because that doesn't work for me. So um, my first food plan I followed, um, it was just no sugar and three meals a day. And I got used to that and it took me almost a year. And, um, and I had my sponsor and I would work with the steps. I was really working hard. Um, I got really bummed out um, because I was, I'd only lost about 25 pounds in a year. My sponsor was like, you know, you're abstinent, you're on your food plan, you know, you're, you're on the path, you're on a losing abstinence, even if it's, you know, you're losing really slowly. Um, and she said, just have faith, you know, like, it'll just keep doing what you're doing. It'll, it'll work out. Just let it, just let it happen. And, um, and then I was back at that lifeboat meeting one night and I heard someone, I was talking to a newcomer and I said to the newcomer, so, you know, here's my food plan. Everybody's food plan is different. Um, you know, some people don't eat flour or grains. Um, I can't do that. You're welcome to try. Um, I couldn't, I can't do that. And I heard myself say, I can't do that. And then I also heard, which I've, which I learned from a sponsor or someone like, don't say can't say won't because it's more true. You can, it's more, but, but you won't. So like, um, I went to the meeting, I heard the speaker, and I decided at that time that I was going to change my food plan and get rid of flour and grains. So um, I did that one meal at a time. It was very tough at first, and then I settled into it and became very comfortably abstinent after a period of time, and I lost another 100 pounds. So, um, and I also, uh, I had really severe asthma, and my asthma went away, and that was very cool too. So. Um, not pushing that, but I'm just saying that that's been my experience. And, um, and most importantly, when I gave up all those substances, my obsession was more fully lifted. Like that's when I became what I call comfortably abstinent. I don't really, it's not, it's kind of like in the big book promises, like we don't struggle, you know, I recoil from it and from a hot flame, you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, happily and comfortably abstinent and, grateful for my physical recovery. And then um, steps, the rest of the steps, you know, um, I have five minutes. Um, the rest of the steps uh, I had done previously before and worked them really hard, but I took them through the new lens of OA and I learned a lot more and I did a lot and I, you know, um, wrote a lot more and, um, and my character defects, I re-examined them and, um, and I have one of my favorite, uh, my, one of the steps that uh, in OA, I mean, in AA had been kind of like a sidestep or something, which step six and seven became a really big part of my program in OA. I had a sponsor who had me for the sixth step. I had to write um, for every character defect. I had to write how that character defect had saved me in the past, how it helped me. Then I had to answer the question, how has it now outlived its usefulness? How is it hurting me? this defect. And then the, the final one was, how would I behave? What would I have to do? How would it look if I, if that defect was lifted? And so I wrote, there was a lot of writing and a lot of sort of, it was difficult writing. I couldn't figure out the answers to those questions sometimes, but um, eventually I got, you know, with the help of my sponsor, I got, I had it all written out. And then the seven step prayer, um, you know, I just did because she told me to do it. It was, she said, you know, you need to go find a place and you need to get down on your knees and you need to say, she gave me the seven step prayer. Um, 
and you had to insert a character defect and a whatever, you know, I had to just, I had it written out. And I was in Hawaii and I said, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this a spiritual thing. And I went up to Diamond Head with my notebook and I got up to the top and there were like 5,000 people at the top of Diamond Head. And I was like, well, I'm not going to kneel down in front of all these people. I barely want to do it myself. And so um, I hiked back down and went to the beach and uh, got on the beach, beautiful setting. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. I sit down. And I realized after a few minutes that there's something odd going on. And it turns out I was on a sex cruising beach, <laughs> kneeling down to read my seventh step out loud. So uh, that it was a little bit wonky, but um, I just followed her directions. Again, loose garment, whatever. You know, my sponsors tell me to do this. Um, eighth and ninth step. Um, I really had uh, my one of my the biggest eighth step amends that I had to make, and eighth and ninth step. The process was with my mom. I had a really difficult uh, relationship with her growing up. Um, you know, it's, I struggled with it all the time. And one day I was doing my step writing in a laundromat and I had this epiphany. I was 40 years old and I realized as I was, when I was doing this writing that, oh my God, when my mom was 40, she had me brand new, a newborn. She was working full time. She had an alcoholic husband. She had five other children. Two, one was a Playboy bunny, one was pregnant and dropped out of high school. One was at Woodstock. One was always getting caught with pot and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so like, no wonder she was cranky. You know, like I suddenly had this open-hearted compassion for my mom. You know, like, I was like, oh my God, what if I had five kids right now? Holy crap. You know, like I couldn't even imagine that at all. So I started building, um, making amends to her and uh, really improved my relationship with her. Went home one summer, back to DC for the summer and lived with her helped her at, with end of life kind of stuff. And, and it all really, uh, it really healed up. And I'm really grateful for that. Uh, and then step 10, um, my, I had a sponsor who had me do this very specific 10 step every day. I had to write out the third step prayer and write out all the things that I was afraid of and angry about and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Then write the seven step prayer and I had to read it to her every day. And so I did that and uh, you know, there's a term terminal vagueness and I really appreciate that term. It was like, I was really vague. I did, you know, there was a period of time. I don't really know why I weigh 320 pounds. I don't really know why I smoke three packs of cigarettes. I don't know why I have $40,000 in credit card debt. I don't know why I'm pissed off at my sister and haven't talked to her in two years. You know, like all these things, I had to write it all down and get really clear on what was happening in my world and why it might be happening and what defects were related to it. And then I had to start cleaning shit up. So um, I really appreciated that process. Um, at some point after about a year, I got lazy. I was tired of doing it. I was tired of calling her every morning. And then she fired me. She's like, you know, I'm, a, I'm not gonna watch you struggle. If you don't wanna do it, then find another sponsor. And I did. So, you know, that, that was, and I developed another 10 step process called AEIOU, which I learned from a friend who I met in Washington DC at a meeting. I can share that another time, but, um, and then rushing with the last minute, um, the 11th step for me, someone at a meeting said, well, if you're not praying and meditating, you're not really working all the steps. And I thought, well, okay, well, let me think about that. So um, there was an Al-Anon, there's a, um, it says something about your prayer in quotes could just be reading the daily meditation books and very, and so, and then meditation is obvious. You set a timer and you meditate. 
And so I started doing that every morning. I would read um, one of the daily readers, like I would read um, one for AA, one, the two, OA for Today and Voices of Recovery, one for Al-Anon, and then I read a whole slew of Buddhist readings. I don't even, I don't even consider myself, I consider myself maybe half Buddhist. I don't know because I meditate, I'm somehow a little bit Buddhist or something. But um, anyway, I read all that stuff and then I started meditating um, and I use Insight Timer because I need the social, uh, the piece, the, what do you call it? Social connection, the social media thing. So I know that I'm accountable to 500,000 people who are meditating right now um, because I'm meditating too with them. So I meditate um, probably for now, like three or four years. I've pretty much every day read the daily readers, done a meditation. And I also send out um, snippets from the Buddhist readings I do to a group of friends. Um, and that is my 11th step practice. And then the 12th step is um, I just share my story. I have a sponsor, I have sponsees, um, I do service. I've been hosting, I've been Zoom hosting the 7 a.m. OA meetings in San Francisco every day. So you're welcome to come aboard um, 7 a.m. every day <clears throat> if you're up that early. So that's my story and I'm a minute over. So I better stop talking and thank you for listening. Thanks.